Well, good morning. It is fun to be able to preach the Word of God this morning and to be able to do that here at Journey Church. Um, we are a part of this congregation, and uh, so it's just always, it's always a gift. Oh, why is this not attaching very well? Hmm. Um, we are going to be doing Psalm 71 this morning. Psalm 71 is today's lectionary reading. And um, when I first found out that I would be preaching on this particular Sunday, I thought, oh, I'm going to see what the global church is reading, which psalm um, is being read by congregations around the world, um, regardless of denomination. And it's this one, Psalm 71. So that's why I chose it. Now, you might be wondering, what is the lectionary? Well, I have a little quote here on what the lectionary is um, from a commentary that I really like, Feasting on the Word. And the lectionary is, it provides a collection of readings from scripture to be used during worship in a schedule that follows the season of the church year. Season of the church year, meaning things like Advent and Lent, um, Easter, all of these holy days that we celebrate. So that so it follows the season of the church year. In addition, it provides for a uniform set of readings to be used across denominations um, for, for or other church bodies. And so I love um, that we have this, this thing that ties us to all of these different denominations. And so that's, that's why I had wanted to use the one that is in the lectionary today for this particular Sunday. Um, there's a psalm every single week. There's a New Testament reading every week. There's an Old Testament reading every week. And, I, and part of the reason I'm talking so much about the lectionary right now is because sometimes I think we can hit a point in our um, walk of faith where we're like, I just don't know what to be doing devotionally. I don't know what I should be reading in scripture. And so if that's you and you've kind of come to a place where you don't know what you should be reading in scripture, this might be something to check into. You could just kind of Google the lectionary and it is a three-year cycle and there's always a scripture reading um, that, you can, that you can do each day and each week. So without further ado, let's jump in to our Psalm, Psalm 71. And actually, I'd love to have you stand for the reading of Scripture. And we're not going to do the whole psalm today because the lectionary reading is just verses 1 through 6. So, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. Let's pray together. Lord, as we open the scriptures, we ask that you will be our teacher. God, we pray um, that you will minister to each one of us, that you will remind us of how near you are, that you will use your words of scripture to breathe hope and encouragement and direction into each one of us. We believe that your word is living and active, and so we lean into um, the mystery of the Spirit of God and of your holy word. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, with the Psalms, I think an important first thing to say is the genre of the Psalms. It's a funny beginning to start with talking about the way that something is structured, but I think it's really important for us when we come to the Psalms in particular. The Psalms are songs or poems or prayers. This is important because there are other passages of scripture that are stories, narrative. There are other passages of of scripture that are very instructive for us and for the church throughout time where we are actually being taught something very specific, being given some certain commands. Now, we have to come and look at the Psalms through this lens that this is a prayer, a song, a poem, that this is a piece of art created by someone, and that the Psalms have been used as a prayer book since they were put together, since they were created. These these would have been the prayers and the songs that Jesus, in his lifetime on earth, would have used, these very same songs and prayers. So one of the things about a piece of art like this is that we gaze upon it a little bit differently. When I was in college, I'm going to share two college stories because we have all the college students starting to come back, um, and I know some of you are getting ready to actually leave to go to college um, in the coming weeks, so I thought I'd include two little college stories. One of them is that when I was in college, I had two study abroad experiences, and one of them was not actually abroad. One of them was in Washington, D.C. So I spent the summer interning on Capitol Hill with a ministry on Capitol Hill, Um, And I was there with a a whole group of of students from my college. We all stayed in like this long-term hotel. And and then we each found our own internships that we wanted to do. We got these jobs. And then we would have some additional classes. We had field trips. We got course credit for it. But most of the friends we had time, um, we had some time to just explore and to do things on our own. We were really living in Washington, D.C. Well, at that time... I was reading this book um, called, by Henry Nouwen, just a, an amazing faith writer, um, someone who has meant a lot to me over the life of my faith. Um, he had written this book, The Return of the Prodigal Son. And essentially what this book was about was that Henry Nouwen had gone to Russia and, and had encountered this piece of art by Rembrandt, The Return of the Prodigal, and he spent weeks just staring at this particular piece of art. He would, he would sit on the bench right in front of the piece of art, and he would just stare at it. This was his devotional practice for a period of time. And then each one of the chapters is about one of the different characters in the painting and how he sees Jesus in each one of those characters. And it's a really lovely book, um, which I would recommend. It's a, it's a very good one. But I was reading that um, while I was in Washington, D.C., And of course, if you've been to Washington, D.C., you know that the museums are free with tax dollars. Um, But they're they're free-ish. And so I really fell in love with the National Gallery while I was there. And I would many weekends go, and I would try and do what Henry Nouwen had done, and I would just plop down in front of a piece of art, and sometimes I would have music playing on my Walkman. Um, (laughs) 
And I would sit and I would just stare at a piece of art and just ask the Lord, is there something in this piece of art that you would like to stir in me, something you'd like me to notice? And, and through that experience, I really was learning um, to, to notice art and my reactions to it. Uh, what are some of the things that I'm feeling as I stare at this art? What are memories that this is bringing up? What images is this, uh, is this bringing to mind? Now, I am not an artist, but it was a very sweet experience for me. And I, and I share this with you because I think when we come to the Psalms, we come similarly. We can kind of plop ourselves down in front of the Psalm and we take it in. This is someone else's prayer, but how does it become our own prayer? What images come to mind for us? What jumps out of the text? What stands out to us? And so another, um, another quote I would love to read to you, there's actually going to be a few that I share with you from this uh, commentary that I really like called Feasting on the Word. Um, and, so, and so there's this commentary that says this, too often we treat theology as a set of ideas which one give, to which one gives intellectual assent. Theology finds its ultimate home, however, in religious practice. Psalms are more than words on a page that record ideas to be considered. They are scripts to be performed, songs to be sung, prayers to be prayed. And so as we move towards Psalm 71 today, this psalm becomes our prayer. How might God want to highlight words in this psalm that are for us? Um, in the summer between my sophomore and junior year, I uh, went home for the summer and I was a part of a Bible study. One of my friends was living about 30 minutes away and she invited me to be a part of her Bible study and it was a little bit of a drive to get there, but I made a point of going, and she, what she was doing was a study called Electio Divina through the Psalms study, and it was just a, kind of a group of random friends of hers, um, but if you know what Lectio Divina is, is it's, it's this listening, it's this listening to scripture deeply, and so she opened her home, she and her new husband opened their home, and they would read a passage of the scripture to us, and then they would serve us a dinner. And then we would come back and we would read the psalm again. And then she would say, now you've heard it two times, now go find a corner of our home. Feel free to go into a bedroom, go in the yard, wherever you'd like, and go spend 30 minutes contemplating this particular psalm. What words or images stand out to you? And then she would say, come on back. And then we would have dessert together we would read the psalm again, and then we would talk about it. So we had had all this time to contemplate the psalm, to think about it before we started talking about it. And, you know, our culture, we love to talk about it first. <laughs> we want to read it and then talk about it. But this was what happens when we actually really listen to the psalm, when we allow our imagination to run with some of the images in it. Um, and that was a very significant Bible study for me because the words of scripture came alive like few times in my life. I mean, it was just, and one thing that was really fascinating was seeing how one word could conjure up such different images for different people. 
So we're going to read this psalm again, and I'm going to have you pay attention to this question. How is God described? And what is God like? Because if this is a prayer or a poem, if this is something that is offered to us as a song, what we can at least observe, maybe these aren't commands, but what we can observe is how the psalmist is describing who God is. Because we are here to worship that very same God. How does the psalmist describe the living God? As we read through it again, I've highlighted, I've bolded um, some of the words that stand out as descriptors of who God is. And you might imagine what images stand out to you as we read these. I'll share some of mine with you afterward. Psalm 71, 1 through 6. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You have brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. It's clear that the psalmist is in distress. There are all these, save me, help me, kinds of phrases, and actually throughout the whole psalm, not just verses one through six. But there are some interesting things that the psalmist does here, some words that, that the psalmist calls upon about God's character. And so let's look at some of those. I'm going to share with you some of the ones that stand out to me. I won't share all of them, but I'll share a few. There may be other ones that are meaningful to you, and don't disregard those. Hold those in your heart and allow yourself to meditate upon those words or images because the Spirit may be speaking to you in a unique way through this passage of Scripture. For me, the word refuge stood out. It's repeated a few times throughout the psalm. And there are lots of different ways that you could picture a refuge, but I kept thinking of bird refuges or wildlife refuges. We have this, um, this Tualatin uh, wildlife refuge here just down the street from our church. A place of thriving for these sweet creatures. I often like to walk at the Trappist Abbey um, in, over in Lafayette. And one time I tried to take my golden retriever with me and it became clear to me that dogs are not allowed on the trails <laughs> because this is a refuge. This is a place where the animals, the birds, the small ones are protected 
and my golden retriever would threaten that. This is a place of thriving for these creatures. God is a refuge. God is this space of nurture and nourishment. What images come to your mind there? There's also, connected to the word refuge, maybe your mind goes to refugee-minded. And so I've pulled some images here that have been depicted of the Holy Family as refugees, people fleeing from King Herod to Egypt, and some different depictions of them as refugees, people seeking refuge from harm, people seeking a new beginning, people seeking protected life, people fleeing from harm. Another word that stood out to me was rock. It shows up again and again in these six verses. Rock. God, you are my rock. What does that mean? Well, instantly my mind goes to the huge haystack rock, Cannon Beach. Probably most of us have seen this giant rock in the middle of the ocean. Well, not the middle of the ocean, but near the edge of the ocean. This big, solid rock. And there are other rocks like it on coastal locations throughout the world, this this sign of constancy, permanence, strength, can withstand the storms. A strong rock. But also, as I was reading in various commentaries preparing for for today, something I hadn't really realized, um, and maybe this came to your mind faster than it didn't come to my mind, um, is that all throughout the Old Testament, actually the word rock is a sign of God's eager action. There are all these instances, and I've included a picture of David and Goliath, um, rocks being something that are like a tool, something that is used, something that is a sign of action. God as a rock. God getting things done. God making a difference. God on the move, a rock. You can think of other Old Testament stories that go along with that idea, but God as a rock. God as a fortress. And this is the fortress in Salzburg, Austria. And so one of my other college stories that I told you I was going to tell um, was I studied abroad. That was the other study abroad place that I spent time in college was in actually in Germany. And my parents and my sister came over to visit me when I was in college. And so they, we had for Thanksgiving and we had planned um, some little excursions. And so we went to Salzburg and we were in a taxi driving through town and my mom being very poetic. She, she's a reader, um, she loves language, she's a writer, um, and she says to our taxi driver in her you know, poetic way, like, what is that fortress? As she points up to the, you know, this huge building on the hill. And the taxi driver looks at her and he says, it's the fortress. <laughs> and she's like, but what is it called? The fortress, you know, and so we've made fun of her ever since um, for that <laughs> for that situation. But but this fortress, this image of this strong castle-type space, this place where the whole town could flee in a time of danger and find protection behind these big walls, these big stone walls, a place of lookout, a fortress. God, you are a fortress. 
You are the place we run to for protection. God, you are our fortress. And some translations actually use the word fort instead of fortress. And so as a Northern Californian, I picture Fort Point, which is, of course, the, um, the fort that is underneath the Golden Gate Bridge, the one that was there, the Civil War fort that protected the San Francisco Bay and that the Golden Gate Bridge was built around. So there's this arch over it. And in fourth grade, I actually had my outdoor ed experience there, or fifth grade. We slept at Fort Point. I got very sick, but, <laughs> but nevertheless, memorable. But a fort, this place of lookout, a place to protect those who live in the vicinity. God, you are our fort. You are our fortress, the strong place of protection. What images come to your mind from Psalm 71? What stands out to you? What came up as we were reading through the psalm? What images? Because with a psalm, we are to gaze on this poem, this prayer, to allow God to speak through it, to make it our own. God, you are our rock, our refuge, our fortress. So if this is who the psalm is saying that God is, how do we, the people of God, respond to these metaphors, these images of who God is? What is our response? Well, something that I really love and think is super helpful from this particular psalm, from Psalm 71, is this. The prayer practice of remembering who God has been in a time of distress or lament. All throughout this psalm, we can hear the psalmist is panicking. There are enemies. There is trouble. There's a need for rescue. But there's this woven theme of calling out who the psalmist knows God to be. And this is something that we can take ourselves. There's this tool offered us. When we're in a time of distress, does it mean that God is not alive? Does it mean that God is not present? No, it means that we need to dig into those memories and remember God's faithfulness throughout our lifetimes. It means we need to call on those attributes of God that we know, that we have experienced. Not just assume, well, if God's not doing what I want right now, if God's not intervening how I want, then God must not exist. No. If God's not doing what we want, if life isn't going as we want, if we're in a time of tribulation, if we're in a time of distress, we remember the character of God. That's the prayer practice for us. Um, Ellen Armour says, Psalm, and this is a commentator, a biblical scholar, Psalm 71 performs the human div divine encounter in a refreshing way. Too often, Christians approach prayer as they would a formal dinner with a visiting dignitary. One must assume the right position, mind one's language and manners, speak only what will please the visitor's ear. Only if the rules of etiquette are obeyed might one's petition, should I dare to present such, gain a fair hearing. The author of Psalm 71, though, models a very different approach to prayer. 
the psalmist feels no compunction in the divine presence about calling in justice by name or acknowledging fears of abandonment and desire for retribution. Out of those fears and desires, the writer literally invokes, calls out and calls on the God of refuge, succor, and justice known to the author from birth. There's this honesty that the psalmist offers to us. I'm afraid. Things are not going as I want. I need help. There's this honesty. But I know you've been faithful, God. I know you've been faithful. And I know you will be faithful again. The central theme of Psalm 71 is a lifetime of experiencing God's faithfulness. We see this in two places in verses 1 through 6, but it's actually throughout all of Psalm 71. What we see in our first six verses is, um, you know, since my youth, you've been my sovereign hope, or you've been my hope, sovereign Lord, since my youth, from birth, I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. But if we were to keep reading, we would hear this this beautiful story of the psalmist's life. Do not cast me away when I'm old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. Since my youth, this is verse 17, since my youth, God, you have taught me. Verse 18, even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O God. There's this, there's this testament to faith. Like all throughout this psalm, there's a, when I'm really old, still stand by me, God. When I was born, you were with me, God. In my youth, you were my confidence, God. There's this, there's this testimony to God's relationship all throughout the psalmist's life. And gosh, that is my hope for my own life. That is my hope for your life, that your life would be this ongoing testimony to God's faithfulness. That we would testify from from birth, from youth, all the way until old and gray. God, you have been my confidence. You have been my hope. You have been my refuge, my rock. You have been my fortress. Eugene Peterson uses the language um, in the message of, since you lifted me out of my cradle, God. There's a story in Luke 2 that I really love. Um, And in January, I had the opportunity to share it with one of our local Christian elementary schools, um, this story of this very old woman in scripture. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years. Let's do some math as we read this. She was probably about 12 or 13 when she got married. So she lived with her husband seven years. So let's say she's about 20 after her marriage. And then was a widow until she was 84 she had, she had never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This woman, this old woman, 
she never left the temple. This woman had experienced the loss of her husband. She had been a widow a very long time, but she essentially lives in the temple. She never left the temple. She worshiped night and day. She was fasting and praying. But then Mary and Joseph bring their child to the temple. First, there's the account of Simeon encountering Jesus, and there's words of prophecy over Jesus. And then there's this woman, Anna, who has experienced tribulation and hardship, but her faithfulness to the Lord Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Despite difficulty in her life, she committed her life to prayer and in her late days, she beholds the baby Jesus, the incarnation of the living God, This woman who had lived her life as a life of prayer and testimony to God's faithfulness sees the incarnated Jesus in her midst. And the fun thing about sharing this with the kids at the elementary school was I had them do what we had talked about with Lectio Divina, picture the story. What do you picture her to look like? Where do you picture her sleeping? Um, Is What color is her hair? What does she look like? And to hear, you know, these kindergartners, these first graders yelling out their thoughts about what Anna might have looked like, what it might have been like when Anna approached Mary and Joseph and the baby, what it looked like when Anna went and was proclaiming the news of Jesus to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. These, store, these images that these young children came up with were darling. They were adorable. They were wonderful. They were creative. They were excited. Putting imagination to scriptures is such a powerful way to bring it to life. What are we imagining as we imagine the character of God? A lifetime of God's faithfulness. This is what we are invited into. This is what we are invited to testify to. This is what we are invited to do in our prayer life, to testify to who we have known God to be, to what we have experienced about God. When things are hard, let us testify to who we know God to be. Maybe you would choose different words than this psalmist, but still, What words will we use to tell the story of God's faithfulness to us that sustain us through all the days of our lives? In a different psalm, and I'll close with this, and then we'll sing a song of worship together. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek his temple. A life of following God. A life of testifying to God's faithful, to his faithfulness. A life of watching for the acts of God. This is what we are invited into. 
What does a fortress look like to you? What does a refuge look like to you? What does a rock look like to you? And that we may all testify to God's faithfulness all the days of our life. Let's stand and sing together to this God who is faithful.